tonight on Unsolved Mysteries, Dutch Schultz Treasure, Computer Con Killer, Lost Lauren, and Mother and Son Murder. Hi, I'm your co-host, Crystal. I am your other co-host, Robert, and this is Reenacted. Unsolved Mysteries podcast. Uh, Crystal, I guess you have something to talk about. Um, Yeah, well, let's see. This episode is going to come out, I think, right after the first of the year. Okay. And I thought it might be fun if we made some predictions about what we think is going to happen in 2023. So I would like to put some parameters on this. Um, let's keep it non-political because that's boring and yeah, there's enough political, you know, like just keep away from that. Um, and low stakes. So mm. not anything like you honestly believe there's going to be like a COVID 23 pandemic or anything like that. <laughs> okay. I'm looking for low <laughs> stakes, low non-political stakes. predictions. Oh, Wow. So, um, if, you know, if you have any early Academy Award, uh, predictions, if you have any like technological predictions, I want this to be a real, like in the year 2000 segment, (laughs) (laughs) real ones know what I'm talking about. That is, that's kind of an old, uh, reference at this point, but yeah, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about. I know what you're talking about. All right. Uh, how about you? You start with one, and that will give me time to like sure come up with some BS. <laughs> I realized I kind of sprung this on you. I meant to mention it like earlier today. Text you, yeah. like, come up, think, think about this as That's a prompt. Fine. Uh, well, I, you know, I think we'll continue to see the slow degradation and eventual end of Twitter, which is not terribly prophetic of me to say. Mm. Um, you know, but maybe we'll see something really fun like Elon Musk buys a grocery store chain. Ooh. You know, something kind of wacky like that. I mean, ostensibly, that's what Jeff Bezos did, right? Amazon bought Whole Foods a couple of years oh, ago. Oh, well. that's right. You yes, know, maybe it's like yes. maybe it's like Elon buys Burger King. He probably he probably wouldn't be able to buy McDonald's, but uh you know, if you could buy, if you bought the like a competitor to McDonald's, that would be an interesting. Uh, I'm not sure if test is the right. Uh, it'd be an interesting experiment. Mm-hmm. Uh, gosh, I really wish I'd spent this the entire time of your your prediction trying to come up with one myself, but I suppose I predict that I will be slightly disappointed because one of the because neither of the two films that I got up my off my rear end to go see in the theater will mm-hmm. will win Best Picture, and of course those two films are um, uh, The Northman mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. Jordan uh, Jordan Peele's uh, Nope. Mm-hmm. Uh, both both films I glad I'm glad I went to see in the theater. I, I as as you know I. Uh, um, typically avoid that location mm-hmm. whenever possible uh it was funny actually i was i was looking up um because we we discussed eyes wide shut in the previous episode mm-hmm. uh the year that eyes wide shut 
came out into theaters. Mm-hmm. I went to the movie theaters to see like 18 different movies that year. Well, I mean, it came out in 1999. Yeah. And that was widely regarded as a stellar year for cinema. So if you go back yeah. and you look at all these movies that came out in 1999, and anyone can pull this up on Wikipedia right now, but um, you're going to, it just was banger after banger. It did yeah. not stop. Yeah, I think the same thing. Like 1999, I would have been in high school. I would have been probably seeing everything that came out on our, we had a one screen theater. So mm-hmm. whatever movie was playing that day was the only movie playing that day. Um, and I believe I had either just started working at or would come to the next year to work at a video rental counter in a grocery store. So uh, all of those movies that came out in 1999, 2000, um, I would have been renting out shortly thereafter. Yeah. So if I didn't see yeah. them in the theater, I was definitely taking them home to watch them. Okay. Well, uh, that's, um, that's very charitable of you to attribute it to entirely to the uh, the change in quality of films released and not just to be the slowly descending into hermit madness. But, uh, <laughs> well, but yeah, I predict- going to the movies got a lot more expensive too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I think about how in high school I could easily afford to go see Lord of the Rings three times in the theater. And I'm like, well, I'm not as an adult with a full-time job, uh, not going to see anything <laughs> three times in the theater anymore. I simply just, would not choose to, I mean, you know what is that that's going to be out of pocket with parking what is that going to be like fucking 60 dollars for me to see a movie three times mm. with streaming mm. and stuff it doesn't make any sense i'll just like either go if it's really worth it like okay so here's my prediction top gun maverick one of my favorite movies i saw in the theater this last year will not win any awards maybe for like sound editing yeah, I, I have a feeling that you are correct, and that's a shame because I uh, I, uh, I actually enjoyed that film uh, yeah. a lot. Yeah, I, I yeah, can... it was great. Yeah, but they don't yeah. they don't award films that people actually enjoy. They award <laughs> films that people like suffer through. Um, God, I just this isn't really a prediction. I think this is kind of a given. But I just watched um, Banshees of Inisherin, which is uh, a. Yeah. Uh, did I tell you about this? Yes. Uh, you, I texted that you about seen it. it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this will absolutely clean up the, at the Oscars. It should. It's probably the best movie I saw this year mm-hmm. in terms of like, that is how you make a film. Like, that's it. That's like Kubrick level. It was gorgeous. It was heartbreaking. Mm. It was fucking mm. funny. It was weird. Um, it made me want to die. <laughs> i mean it's just uh it's a miss it's a movie about a bunch of miserable people and that's the kind of shit that wins awards (laughs) (laughs) isn't that the truth that's a prediction file that away Uh, i think um whoever plays the uh the chap isaac i don't know the actor's name he's an irish actor but uh he's probably going to get best supporting at least and i would assume that banshee's adventure and it will probably be up for best picture it won't win oh. um but okay. it'll get nominated there's a prediction low stakes nice nice um, very nice but i have a prediction yeah i predict that someone will find the hidden buried treasure of dutch schultz 
Oh. And the oh, year 2023. Is, is this your way of transitioning us from from what we're currently doing to actually uh-huh. talking about the episode? All right. Then what's sure talk? is. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, let's talk about All right. Dutch so Schultz. this is uh, Unsolved Mysteries <clears throat> Season 6, Episode 20. Robbie, we get uh, a lot of old timey uh, Lindy hopping and hand jiving, and no, hand jiving wasn't until the 30s or 40s. <laughs> but, anyways, yeah. we get a little old timey montage of the Roaring 20s, and um, I have mm-hmm. to admire the amount of restraint that uh, Robert Stack showed here by not mentioning the fact he was in the television show The Untouchables. <laughs> when talking about oh that's right uh when talking about this era uh, in time he i'm really proud of him for not inserting himself and in his former gig into talking they, about this this yeah this seems like uh i can only i can only speculate that the the oversight on the part of the producers here well maybe is that it's not so much an oversight they just didn't have the rights to put Robert Stack into a fedora carrying a Tommy gun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I know that he's I know that uh in the past he had mentioned he was Oh, he had? Oh. Mm-hmm. Well damn. He had mentioned yeah, yeah. his role in The Untouchables. Oh. So I just I really truly yeah, was admiring he... the restraint uh of him not making this about himself because he definitely mentioned him him playing uh n- not ellie uh yeah elliot ness when he was on yeah elliot ness yeah, yeah that was who he played i mean were you familiar with dutch schultz before this segment i was not were you i'd heard the name but i really had no actual knowledge i feel like dutch schultz is one of those people that uh depending on your your age range and how old your parents or grandparents were like I feel like most people probably would, they, you know, if they had the appropriate era grandparents, the grandparents might have, you know, have, have on occasion mentioned Dutch Schultz, mm-hmm. but not given any context for who or what he was. <laughs> well, so, you know, fortunately like, for us, uh, Robert Stack does give us some context on what a bad mofo Dutch Schultz was. Um, right, right. I'm gonna well, I'm gonna spitball this because I didn't take notes and I don't remember the number exactly. But I guess by the time he was 25 years old, he was already kind of being held responsible for the deaths of over 120 people. Um, I don't know if that's people he personally executed or he just deaths that he kind of instructed should occur. Uh, it, it's sort of you know the distinction between how many people Walter White actually pulled the trigger on and and right. how many his horrific actions. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Those are two two different numbers. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm thinking maybe my grandparents had no idea who Dutch Schultz was because he died in 1935 and my grandparents were born in 1932. So I'm thinking this oh, was so, not on yeah, their mind. <laughs> It would, I guess it would have been your great grandparents. Yeah. yeah. Um, I feel like I feel like my father would have. No, I guess I don't know. Like even though my father wasn't uh, was only a small boy at the time of Dutch Schultz checking out, I feel like I feel like my father probably would have mentioned him if if given the chance. 
Dutch Schultz. Yeah, he's uh, he's just one of those uh, the Depression Warren Twenties and then Depression sort of era characters that you hear about. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, you know, I watched the segment and I was like, oh, I have a identity and face <laughs> for the name. We got some pretty good background on him, and just uh, he seems like the kind of person that uh, uh, Professor Weinberg at UNR might have uh, referred to as a bad dude. <laughs> Certainly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was definitely in a cohort with um, who do they Al make? Capone. Al Capone, Lucky Luciano, Luciano, uh, all those you know bootleggers from the Northeast Corridor. Um, so Dutch Schultz had acquired quite a bit of wealth during prohibition. Um, you know, what's nuts is when you think about prohibition, everybody was like, well, that was stupid, right? That was a real dumb thing. United States did because it basically ended up, it's not like people start, stopped drinking, right? It just killed a lot more people because the booze was bad and like enriched a lot of gangsters. And you think anyone would have learned anything about that before starting the war on drugs but i don't what the fuck do i know um <laughs> ongoing uh yeah so. we 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 get we get a really neat scene uh because I, I guess schultz was uh he basically because the segment started out with a little reenactment of him overseeing the burying of a box a couple of boxes or something uh, near a river which strikes me as kind of a hazardous place you want to bury your your loot in, right? I mean, especially if it's like a lot of it was paper, because we have a mm-hmm. we have a neat little scene where uh, later on in the segment where a reenactment where you know him and his um uh, his his cronies they're 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 taking big stacks of thousand uh, dollar uh, uh, bills and mm-hmm. gold coins and all this stuff and they're. They're, they're they're stuffing them into into the box, um, you know. It's kind of like that scene in Do- Johnny Dangerously where they're wrapping uh, the gangsters are wrapping presents. Only instead, it's it's kind of just a present for Dutch, and I guess not really so much a present as it's already his own property. So nothing like that. But he, uh, you know. It seems like you wouldn't want to bury that near a river. Like, is the water going to seep in? And anyway, I, yeah, I was kind of thinking that was like not the best place for that. Plus, it's in a metal box. Plus, plastic doesn't exist yet, really. Yeah. So it's not like they could put that yeah. stuff in plastic bags. And there was a bunch of like treasury bonds or something. Yeah, the, the, yeah, the, the like thousand dollar bill treasury bonds, huge liberty stacks bonds. Of them. Do you know what liberty oh, yeah. bonds are? I didn't know what those were. Well, I assume like any sort of bond, they're a way to. Well, I I, I do know that they had a sixty-year maturation limit. So, uh-huh. uh, the if 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 that treasure didn't get discovered, um, uh, by the like the nineties, uh, mm-hmm. or, or, or retrieved, uh, they kind of um, you know, every every year it hasn't been since. It's just kind of a waste of 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 potential because mm-hmm. they're not accumulating any more beyond that, uh, any more interest. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, we get, we get a fun say, uh, little reenactment of them, you know, divvying up the, uh, or, you know, stuff in the, these boxes. Um, 
I guess this was like this was basically Dutch Schultz's uh, sort of not retirement plan, but in case I I need a an obscene amount of money plan. I I, I don't know. I guess like in case he needed to. Uh, everything else went to shit. He he would have something to fall back on. Um, either to rebuild his empire or to escape or who knows. Anyway, uh, the the segment uh then uh, makes heavy use of archival footage of presidential also ran Thomas E. Dewey. Yeah, it sure uh, does. This, this yeah, this was fun. We got to see uh, a lot of that mustached uh, man uh, walking walking into buildings and out of buildings and. <laughs> addressing the reporters <laughs> um i uh i uh, being someone who's always been fond of studying presidential ulcerans i i was really excited when i saw his uh, still image <laughs> before playing this episode <laughs> it's like ooh. um if for a man who had many accomplishments but uh unfortunately for him is now mostly known as the the guy who Almost, but not quite, defeated Harry Truman in a presidential election. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but if you, before, but he had been a three-term governor of New York, and before that, he was a district attorney, and uh, that's how he made, sort of made his national reputation by uh, 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 combating people like Dutch Schultz. Uh, in fact, I think he, he even sort of like the first hintings of a presidential run were when he was just, still just district attorney. So, I, I I guess that gives a idea of just how how national this sort of news was. A lot of people attribute, well, I don't want to say a lot of people, and I don't necessarily want to say attribute, but um. Part of his loss in the nineteen forty eight presidential election, um, yeah. Do, do you know? Um, do you know of Alice, um, Roosevelt Longsworth, or or rather, we just we just say Alice Roosevelt. No. She was she was the oldest daughter of uh, Theodore Roosevelt. Okay. Um. And, you know, after like she spent like decades and decades in Washington, uh, in the Washington social scene, mm-hmm. um, uh, she was noted for being like having a sort of um, a very biting sense of humor, you know, uh, highly sarcastic and, and whatnot. And I guess like during the 40, 1948 presidential election, somebody asked her what she thought about Thomas C. Dewey. And she mm-hmm. said that he looked, he looked like the little man, uh, uh, the little groom on top of a wedding cake. <laughs> <laughs> and I, apparently, this description <laughs> remained out there in the public consciousness. And there's a lot of there's people who are like, yeah, kind of probably helped sink sink him just enough. <laughs> who knows? Um, anyway, so. Yeah, like Dewey's closing in on Dutch Schultz. We got like little reenactment of Dutch Schultz. You know, he's talking to the uh, uh, some of his associates, and he he's basically saying he's gonna bump off Dewey, and they're like, "Boss, you can't do that. He's a, a nationally uh, known figure," and blah blah blah. And 
Uh, he's, Dutch Schultz is like, I'm going to do it. It doesn't matter. Blah, blah, blah. And he goes off to the bathroom. And this is played against a narration of Stack mentioning that, like, the, uh, the, the more senior uh, criminal figures uh, mm-hmm. in the city were kind of losing, I guess, losing their patience with Dutch Schultz because they, th- they thought he was, um, uh, his actions were bringing more heat on them than was really necessary. I, yeah, I guess if he tried to assassinate Thomas E. Dewey, that would probably <laughs> that would probably uh, 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 create quite a bit of blowback. So yeah, in um, uh, 1935, uh, there there was a, I guess you'd call it a hit. Um, maybe we have a nice little fun reenactment with some. Uh, uh, guys come in with some prop guns and they're shooting them off. They kill Dutch Schultz's uh, associates at a table. Um, I think we only really see, like, because there's two guys that come in. One's got a pistol, and we see that one get fired a number of times. Do We don't really see the guy with the shotgun fire that, right? I think we only see a reenactment of him chain <laughs> reloading. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's probably a little more complicated to uh, to depict on on the screen. So yeah, uh, they Dutch Schultz. He was mortally wounded, lingered on for a little bit in a bed, and I and we have a little reenactment of his, um, uh, uh, you know, of him talking about where the strong box is buried. Now, <laughs> Crystal, uh, if you notice, uh, if you noticed. A, a little while back on YouTube, they started doing this thing where, like, it, the little bar at the bottom doesn't just show you where you are uh, in the episode, but there's like, it shows you how often different parts of a video you're watching have been re- replayed. Uh, yeah, that's a feature. Yeah. I've noticed. Yeah, um, and with this particular episode, because I watched this on YouTube. With this particular uh, 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 feature, uh, I th- there were two like huge bumps in, in terms of um, this little bar showing you uh, what's gotten played a lot. One's right mm-hmm. at the very beginning, which makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people start the episode like, "Oh no, I'm not into this," or "This isn't the one I'm looking for." The other is <laughs> during the part where. <laughs> Where, where, where Dutch Schultz is is revealing his, you know, is, is talking about the treasure and where it's buried and stuff. It's like, are a lot of people who are watching this episode then like rewinding back and they're like, wait, 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 where did he say the treasure was buried? <laughs> so uh, maybe there, maybe there's a lot of amateur uh, stackheads out there who are like, gonna, you know, like interested in trying to track down this 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 treasure. I mean, I hope so, so. I mean, I hope, and I hope if anyone does actually find it, per my prediction, it isn't just a rusted metal box by a creek full of wet paper. <laughs> Wouldn't that be hilarious, right? <laughs> well, I mean, that's what most of it's going to be. But there was some, yeah. uh, there were some gold coins and jewels and stuff buried as well. Yeah, I that, believe that that stuff will last. Yeah. <clears throat> According to yeah. the wiki, it says that all of that stuff, if it were intact, would be worth fifty million dollars. Which, wow, that's a sure. Yeah. 
Are you you see it sounded like you're incredulous that it would be worth that much. <laughs> well, yeah, because those bonds are expired. And the the paper money, I'm not really sure what you can do with that after this amount of time. I guess currency's currency, right? Like maybe that's still worth something, but it would probably yeah. be degraded to the po- point where like it wasn't salvageable. So really well, what yeah, you're yeah. left with is the coins and the jewels. And I doubt that's going to add up to $50 million in, in uh, present day money, you know? Oh, that's a good point because yeah, I mean, damn. So what you're saying is it's really not worth it to. <laughs> no, I'm <laughs> sure you could, I'm sure. Look, you go look for it and I'm sure it's worth a couple million, including like the provenance of, you can't. No one else is going to be able to lay claim to it, so it's basically finders keepers, unless it's on private property. And yeah. in that case, there's ways around that. But yeah, maybe at auction because it is the Dutch Schultz treasure or whatever. Like you could get mm-hmm. a good price. So I think it's probably worth a couple million, which is absolutely worth someone's time <laughs> to go look. <laughs> like if you happen to live in Phoenicia, New York, get out yeah. there. Go take a look yeah. around while you're walking your dog or whatever for that X on the tree, you know? Okay. So you're what you're saying is that this this what what what's left and is salvageable in that box mm-hmm. is is enough to get an Apple Quadra nine fifty. Yeah, and I've actually calculated for inflation. So yes, I believe so. You could get an Apple Quattro 950. (laughs) That was my ham-fisted attempt to to build the bridge to the next segment. I I love it. Let's talk about murder. Let's talk about computers. (laughs) First of all... (laughs) We have to talk about about this. We just do. Yeah. Uh, This is, I'm going to talk more about computers probably than the actual case that's being presented. First of all. um, So this is a really like beware the classifieds and could, I could not agree more. Listen, if you need to buy something off of Craigslist, absolutely do that in a third location in a public location. Like Starbucks are really good for that. Just take my advice. Um, if it's a really large item and you're having someone come to your home, make sure that there are other people home and that you've communicated to people outside of the home that someone is coming to look at this item. to buy. I'm like so serious about this because people, there are not very good people out there scanning classifieds either to rob you or to, you know, bring you harm. So just like be practice classified safety okay i got that out of the way so crystal it would chill your blood ice cold to learn about the number of like people i just have like given my address to when i when i lived in dayton proper and like yeah come pick up the that sofa or whatever and followed none of the safety sure 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 I mean, it's it's one thing like for large, low value items like a television or a sofa. Right. Um, it's and, another and thing you, if you're like selling jewelry or like high end electronics equipment or something like that. Like, don't. Yeah, and and if someone had a, an eye of trying to rob my entire household, they would have 
they would have quickly been disappointed where like you know once they'd gain access to the house and look around like this place is empty yeah there's, there's nothing here but a bunch of books and the a sad chair in front of a television <laughs> and you're and you're like i'm trying to empty it even further that's why i'm selling this shit yeah uh i also need to talk so in today's high-tech marketplace is how the segment starts with robert stack and he's standing in front of and god knows why the they made this prop I mean, that's my first question. They've taken a classified ad for computer equipment and blown it up gigantic and yeah. put it on an easel. And so the segment starts with it zoomed in on this classified, this giant classified ad. I don't know why they just didn't cut to like one in a newspaper. I don't know why someone had to make this prop. This is kind of nuts. So they zoom yeah. out and then like Robert Stack is walking towards the camera as he normally does. But again, Why? Um, and I got really hung up on the text of this classified ad. With good reason. Um, let me read it to the audience. I have the frame paused here. Okay. This is the classified ad. Ultimate power. Apple Quadra 950. Four, four gig hard drive. 30 megabytes of RAM. 125 megabytes optical drive and disks. 24-inch super high-res color display. Now, Robbie, you're cruising the classifieds in 1991-1992. How much would you expect to pay for, once again, 4-gig hard drive, 30 megabytes of RAM, and 125 megabytes of optical drive and disks? How much would you be willing to pay for that? We're talking about a, a version of me that exists in the early 90s? Uh, an adult, you're you've gone back in time. Oh, pre- okay. present adult Robbie, you've gone back in time. You need a I've computer. Tra- yeah. How how much are you willing to pay for this? Um, well, knowing about what I know, where computers are heading. <laughs> yeah, um, put an offer. A hundred bucks. A hundred bucks. Okay. Um, would you believe? <laughs> that the price for this uh, pristine piece of machinery that the price listed in the classified is 24,000 American dollars 1991 92 24,000 American dollars and just in case just in case anyone was wondering well Crystal you know that was 40 years ago what does that amount to in 2022 money would you like to you, know? You're gonna do the little. You you got the calculation thing open. You're yeah. gonna you're gonna give us the oh, do, all right. Tell tell us what the equivalent is today. Fifty one thousand one hundred ninety eight and seventy two cents. Holy shit! In twenty twenty two money. So just so everyone could get a scale of how fucking expensive this computer was, that we're about to talk about. Actually, the computer we're about to specifically talk about was listed for $31,000. And in 2022 money, let's put it in, let's dial it in, the inflation calculator, here we go. That would be $66,131.68 in 2022. That's the kind... What? I I wonder what kind of computer, like, if we had Mm $60,000 to blow on it, like, 
What kind yeah. of computer could we get with that? That seems like that would well, be the sort it's, of. It's you'd probably get a whole fucking data center for that now. Yeah. I mean, I'm getting I'm getting an air conditioned data center in southern Nevada for that money. Mm-hmm. That's an entire server room. It's not 30 megabytes of RAM. You're getting a little bit more of that. And, you know, one of the things uh, that kind of blew my mind about this, 30 megabytes of RAM, like <laughs> that that becomes a quaint idea by about the year 2000, right? When we start seeing home computers proliferate yeah. in people's homes, 30 megabytes of RAM is like, uh, would be slow for a, maybe a $1,500, $2,000 home computer someone has in their house at eight, about eight years later. Okay. Now Man. taking this to its logical conclusion. <laughs> so remember 30 megabytes of Ram, 125 megabytes of optical drive and discs. So that's basically like the running speed, right? Uh, and a four gig hard drive. Now I am, I'm working on an Apple Mac right now recording. Mm-hmm. Um, Current storage is uh, 1.12 terabytes. <laughs> That's my storage. Okay. Okay. So we're com- so in the classified ad we're looking at 125 megabytes is the storage. I'm on a computer right now. It's 1.12 terabytes. That's a lot. The memory. I have the memory now, and I could okay. install more. I just don't really feel the need to. Yeah. 32 gigabytes. Okay. Okay. Holy shit. Really? Yes. Man. It's 30 megabytes. <laughs> 30 megabytes for a $24,000 computer in 1992. I, uh, I, you know, I feel like there's things that I've purchased in the past where I kind of kick myself like, oh, man, why did you buy it for, you know, if you had waited a few years, you would have saved mm-hmm. so much money. Like, like yeah, when televisions they were- and, and computers and microchips, I mean, definitely have uh, while every everything else has increased with inflation, those those things have not it's actually yeah. gone down. Yeah. If I was someone who spent like twenty four thousand on a a computer with thirty megabytes of RAM, mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if I'd be able to live with myself. <laughs> like every yeah. every time I see someone pull out their cell phone, <laughs> I would just like collapse to the ground in despair. It's like right. I well, I, now now that I've set up the stakes for this, we can tell mm-hmm. the story, right? Yeah, yeah. Um. I also want to mention the Mac that I'm working on right now was discarded from my husband's old work. I did not pay anything for this. <laughs> this computer was free to me. So we got to get rid of this junk. <laughs> well, that's pretty much what was happening. They were upgrading. So this is yeah. something they were upgraded away from. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So anyway, so the stakes super high. You have to understand what 30 megabytes of Ram is fucking worth in 1992. Okay. Um, a music video company in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, they, they run an ad in a trade publication basically for their top of the line computer system. So it's got graphics cards and all that stuff. It's used for video editing, presumably because it's a music video company. Um, a man called Tom Johnson answers the classified ad. He sets up this, 
uh, you know, this whole story that he's like, he's a computer programmer and database consultant and whatever else. Um, and presumably, you know, for a $30,000 computer system, it's going to be cash or like cashier's check, right? Mm-hmm. If you're selling this over the it's, classifieds. It's got to be. Yeah. Yeah. That's a ton of cash to have on hand. Right. Right. Um, so anywho, um, this guy, Jeremy Rolfs, he's, uh, he shows quote unquote, Tom Johnson. Uh, he demonstrates the computer equipment. Um, and so they have a real nerd out session together. Yeah. And you can tell, you can tell that this segment is about computers because everyone in it is wearing glasses everyone is wearing giant glasses. glasses i don't know if that's how it really went down but you know it's sort of like a, a wardrobe choice it seems yeah it seems like the intuitive w- wardrobe choice um i wanted to mention real quick in the reenactment before they meet up when they when mm-hmm. they're first having the where, where the phone conversation is first happening mm-hmm. um the uh, uh, Tom Johnson, the uh, the alleged buyer, uh, they they depict him. They show him on on his end of the line, and he's like taking notes when he's writing the stuff down. And at first, I was like, "Gosh, that almost makes it seem like he's a legitimate buyer, right?" Mm-hmm. right. <laughs> like, okay, okay, getting this, you know, uh, all the details down. Which I mean, I guess if he was planning on you know, stealing the computer. Um, I guess you'd want some of the information. Maybe, maybe this is him initially fishing around and trying to find a computer that will like sell for a lot on the, on the hot market. After the demonstration, he, he agrees with Jeremy that the price will be $31,000 with the stipulation that Jeremy must deliver the computer system to Marietta, Georgia. Or Tom's office in Marietta, Georgia. I feel like not... that—that's fair. If 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 I'm gonna like be forking over that amount of money, mm-hmm. I'd kind of want like a home delivery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, are you are you are you are you of the opposite view? <laughs> I'm of like if you could drive up here to see the demonstration, <laughs> you can go to the bank and get the money. <laughs> oh yeah i guess that's a good you? point right yeah <laughs> I, that's the part that's the first red flag here for me yeah um so but, you know very early uh in the morning jeremy and his fiance heather um they they take off from nashville and they head on down to marietta georgia with the computer um you know jeremy had been up for 30 hours straight working on another computer project um uh-huh. and he brought heather probably to keep him awake and keep him company to be honest yeah um it's a long drive and um so they had planned to meet tom johnson at his office in an industrial park and jeremy who we now realize in the segment is being shown in shadow mm-hmm. so we know yeah. where this might be going yeah um tom contacts jeremy to say hey you know instead of trying to find your way through this industrial park like why don't you guys just come over to this um motel room 
Yeah, that's. Uh, are you, are, is this going to be another on your list of uh, red alert? <laughs> red yeah, flags? I'm just yeah. kind of like again, you know, a coffee shop or a diner, or at the very nice least, pub- like if it space. was a higher end ho- hotel that had like a conference yeah. room or something. It's like, yeah, let's meet in the conference room at the uh, right. Yeah, but Marriott. It, yeah, this reenactment was so strange because they showed Tom like reclining very casually on the bed. And then Heather and Jeremy knock on the door and then Tom's like, why don't you come on in? And I thought this was going to be a very different type of segment (laughs) at that point. Because I was like, this dude is uh, too casual right now. And uh, so Tom and Jeremy talk about the computer and they kind of nerd out for a little bit. And um, then, you know, Tom is like, okay, man, like, you know where's your business partner that you said had the money? That's why we came down here. I'm, I'm just, I'm sorry. I'm really exhausted. I've been up for a long time and I need to get the money and get going. And then like very <laughs> suddenly in the reenactment, Tom pulls out this little pistol and he's like, this is the transaction. It is being completed or something. I don't know. Right. And yeah. he tells, uh, Jeremy and Heather, to roll themselves up in blankets and sheets and look away or something. And it's very strange because like they've already seen his face multiple times now. And Jeremy describes getting clocked by some kind of heavy object in his ear because he hears a ringing and he feels a pain. He feels really dizzy. And then he hears Heather screaming because Mm -hmm. Tom's hitting her and what we find out later is with a hammer that still had the tags on it from a hardware store. So anyway, uh, Tom, this guy, Tom makes off with the computer set and Jeremy um, injured, but somewhat coherent crawls over to Heather and she's unconscious, and they um, he he calls an ambulance and and all that. Heather unfortunately uh, doesn't make it; she passes away from her head trauma. Uh, Jeremy does live; that's why he's in shadows because he can identify who this guy Tom is. Mm-hmm. Um, so police basically have no leads, and uh, they do. There was something weird with a woman who came to the motel office. Mm-hmm complaining about hearing some noises in the room next to the one that Tom had uh Tom had rented so police think she might be an accomplice that was basically trying to to stop right cuz she she was she was, was making this she was making this complaint prior to the actual incident happening right right yeah. and so she would have been in the room with Tom um but then the hotel desk person was like, well, we don't really like to get involved in domestics, so we're not going to do anything about that. <laughs> and it was like, oh, so you're just going to like, if this were real, if what this woman had been saying was real, you're just going to like let somebody get beat up, possibly killed in your motel. <laughs> it seems a uh, uh, okay. very hands off policy. Um yeah, well, I mean, that's what ends up happening anyway, but... I guess Tom chose the right motel. Jeez. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, pff, well, you know? Uh, so, yeah, that's it. Police don't have any leads. But then this segment kind of ends with, like, Robert Stack being like, and here's the computer we're looking for. <laughs> so, like, if you happen to have purchased that very expensive computer from a guy that looks like this and the computer looks like this, then maybe you could... Um, Give us a lead. Yeah, but there's no update. And all of this for a computer... Less fast, <laughs> less powerful than one I got for free. If we went back to mid-14th century France, we would have people mm-hmm. killing each other for turnips and onions, right? So, Would we? Is that a thing? I mean, mid-14th <laughs> century. I don't know. <laughs> maybe not. Uh, okay, maybe... maybe Maybe a, a a wooden plow or or a plow with a metal blade. I don't. I, maybe I, a, maybe they would have listed a trebuchet on their local classified board. Right, right. And, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Which I mean, obviously, the sort of trebuchets we have now are much more powerful. So are they? Or are they exactly the same? Well, yeah, I guess if it's a trebuchet. What? How much have we improved trebuchet technology compared to computer technology? <laughs> well, I mean, if if you take have there trebu- been major advances. If you take tre- constructed trebuchet. <laughs> if you take a trebuchet to be sort of, you know, not so much in the literal sense, but in the metaphorical sense, we could be talking mm-hmm. about artillery uh, or, mm-hmm. or whatnot. Um, yeah. It's uh, but yeah, it I like yeah, I like I like these stacks. Like, <laughs> here's the computer, and <laughs> it's like yeah, if you see it, which I mean, I guess like for a computer that costs that much at this time, mm-hmm. uh, you that probably it, it probably would be one that you don't come across. I mean, this isn't like the black and white computer at your at your high school. No, everyone, no, 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 everyone's playing or everyone's playing Oregon Trail on. <laughs> yeah, no, this would have been used for video editing and some pretty specific purposes. But it's just it's just probably like the value of it five years even after that the robbery. Oh, the murder, this, yeah, <laughs> it would have been completely diminished even five years after that, four years after that. Yeah, you know what? what, what? It really makes you wish, to, uh, like that this Tom guy held on to it for a couple of years because he's like, yeah. I wanted to appreciate and value. Yeah, I gotta uh, wait till it's less hot, and I got I'm gonna wait for it to appreciate and value, only to find out it's completely obsolete four or five yeah. years down the road. Like it ends up just on the curb on top of some trash cans. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, it's that's it's cursed though. Like whoever got it was completely cursed. Oh, totally. Totally. From having bought that computer. Yeah. I guess we got to talk about the k- kidnapped kid next. Yeah. So there's this uh, this young girl named Lauren Jackson. Uh, I guess maybe one, one place to start with this is to preface this by saying that um, there's there's like a custody difference issue going on here because her, her mom's mm-hmm. C- Christina O'Donnell uh, and they inter- separately interview the dad whose name is Mickey uh, Jackson mm-hmm. um, 
And I, I don't know about you. I definitely got the impression that these two had a pretty deep loathing of each other. Yeah, um, I mean, I do not think it was a amicable split. Yeah, they were never married. Oh, that's right. But, uh, that's right. Yeah, they they but they still, they definitely weren't together at this point. So yeah. So, uh, Christina, she's letting Lauren play out. Um, out in the grass of uh, their apartment complex with uh, some neighbor kid, right? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, uh, she goes off to do whatever she's doing. And then when she comes outside, uh, kids ain't there. And uh, very worrisome for her. Her daughter's not there and is not uh, located anywhere else in the apartment complex. Um. And so we got a we got a old fashioned missing child segment here. Oh boy, they they, they discuss with the various um, investigating people. You know, they they talk about some of the dead end leads they initially had, and uh, then they start talking with Mickey, and Mickey's like, "Yeah, my wife, my wife did it. She's involved." Mm-hmm. Um, Mickey has a, uh, the, the actual Mickey that they interview in the segment. He has a very unfortunate physical appearance. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm just saying, I, 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 I'm not weighing in on, on, on whether this means he's a good person, bad person. I'm just saying he looks very unfortunate. Like the, the guy they, they got to play him in the reenactment is like, I mean, it is not great looking, but is like a very handsome man by comparison. <laughs> this is this has got to be one of those situations where you're like watching the reenactments and you're the, you're the you're the guy is like oh you know, like like you kind of pleased like it'd be me like me you know if I'm uh, if I was seeing a reenactment of uh, of us you know being depicted mm-hmm. on the on on the screen. And, you know, they have like, uh, I don't know, uh, you know, Colin Farrell or, or Peter Dinklage or someone playing me. I'm like, yeah. Wait, why, why are those <laughs> your two options? <laughs> those, those are, those are uh, really the only two actors. Those are very I can different looking people. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, well, while neither of them probably are the best choice to depict me, they're both, you know, they're. Neither of them are particularly, I mean, they're kind of handsome men, right? So. Oh, yeah, uh, totally. I just, they're very different from one another. Yeah. Yeah. Well, That's why I, I, w- I was wondering why you chose that. Well, if you really want to dwell on this, I mean. I do. Well, okay. <laughs> then, well, if we throw in a third option, which is like uh-huh. the the realistic option, uh-huh. especially considering my, uh, how each year my hairline recedes even more. Uh, Paul Giamatti is probably the the best choice, right? The most realistic or, or accurate. And yeah. I'd say he's about equal distance from both of those guys. So if you if you think if if you think about it, and those those like like either either one of those two previously named actors. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and have different, you know, 
differences with uh, an appearance from Paul Giamatti sort of just going off in different directions. So, I mean, so from my perspective, it's like, well, if you pick a, two or three handsome men to, to, to play me, like, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, obviously, uh, I mean, they, they may not have similarity with each other, but that's, mm-hmm. It's not like they have similarity with me, so. <laughs> um, yeah. So what you're saying is, Mickey's no Paul Giamatti. No, no, he is. Mickey is not. Oh boy. Uh, I mean, and I don't. Uh, I don't want to seem like I'm just entirely dumping on this this guy, but he. <laughs> I did notice he was weird looking. He's we got weird looking, yeah. And his and that whole glasses situation was not helping him look no. less creepy. Um, yeah, he kind of yeah, he looks like a, a yeah. Anyway, so um, Christina, uh, she you know she's in the reenactment. She's beside herself, uh, and then we we have a a reenactment of Mickey's just sort of like seemingly like wandering. <laughs> onto the crime scene in like an mm-hmm. undershirt with his, you know, mm-hmm. glasses on. And, you know, so one of the, uh, one of the, uh, uh, you know, I'm not sure if it was a cop, it could have been like a, uh, fire rescue or something like it was sort of like walking in front of him. And I guess, you know, to stop him. And I guess if, if this was the case, uh, uh, if this, uh, if the reenactment played out like this, it was probably because he was like, Oh, there's a creepy looking guy. I better stop him from wandering. Onto the crime scene." <laughs> anyway. So, you know, like Mickey describes like, Oh yeah, it's really, you know, it's surreal. You walk on, there's all these lights everywhere and whatnot. And the, pr- and so anyway, we have, so there's some witnesses, uh, like a 12 year old girl described scene, like, um, this car speed, uh, uh, speed by and stop. And some guy mm-hmm. in a very suspicious looking leather jacket and out <laughs> and, and, and gloves and hat get out and run and grab the girl and like th- throw her into the, into the car and drive away. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that seems like a clear cut kidnap, but then we also, uh, um, have a uh we start getting uh some some conflicting perspectives there was this Mm. woman in a grocery store parking lot who said that she saw christina uh show up somewhere with a child who was yelling and like hand her over to like an older woman (laughs) Mm -hmm. and you know slam the door shut on the girl and the, the older woman gets in the car and drives away and I don't know. It seems like I don't. Know, this you're seeing it from the older woman's perspective, so they're kind of far away. But you kind of see like Christina looks like she's paying the older woman to take the kid away. Right. Yeah. This was very strange. Like, what are the police and the witness sort of implying happened here? That Christina sold her kid on in the in the in the what uh, in the classifieds classifieds yeah, <laughs> and she like, did what it. Is, what is this? <laughs> well, she she did it in a public place. You know, like it's the That's middle. True. Of the, it's Mall the middle parking of, lot. 
middle of the day. It's not like mm-hmm. it's before the store, op- you know, grocery store opens or anything. There's plenty of people around. So, mm-hmm. so it's not like the old woman could be like, pull out a little gun and be like, no, <laughs> this is. <laughs> but yeah, that's it. But the suggestion is that, yeah, Christina sold her kid off secondhand. <laughs> I mean, what do you th- what do you think a kid goes for? More or less than the um, <laughs> less than well, if computer. it's computer, if, if it's the early nineties, it's going to go less for that computer than that computer. I <laughs> yeah, I don't mean to sound I, like I'm not, and I'm not trying to sound you know like I'm just I'm saying realistically that computer You're was saying really realistically less than thirty one thousand dollars. Yeah. Okay, and, how much do you think a kid is going for? Because I don't actually think this is what happened. That's why I'm joking about it. I yeah um, no no yeah. <laughs> but like, how much do you think a like a five year old kid with some health problems, which Chris uh, uh, Lauren had? Oh, I you know I kind of what do you I, think? I, I kind of missed that. What, what 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 were the health problems? Um, she was like she had like a couple of hernias. Um, uh, she had been born with a cleft palate. Um, uh, all had been yeah. fixed with surgery. She walked with kind of a funny gait, though. She had a number a number of birth defects okay. that she was uh, um, working through. It uh, seems like a lot of them had already been corrected for. Yeah, but, yeah. The, the, yeah but just yeah, keeping that's... that in mind when assessing the value of well, I, yeah, I, this yeah, child. I won't, I won't say that it it won't have any effect, but it does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does seem like that's not. That's not the most serious uh, issues. It, it's yeah. kind of like we're talking about the difference. I mean, the stuff that that's sort of been described it, to me, it kind of feels more like, OK, you get you, the car, you know, the the the, the hood, the paint's kind mm-hmm. of stripped off and it's a little right. rusted and there's yeah. maybe a few dents and st- stuff on the sides. Yeah. But I mean, but when you get in and you turn it on, it starts clean. You know, there's yeah. no weird noises or knocks mm-hmm. or anything mm-hmm. uh i i don't th- i don't think i that probably only knock a few thousand off of the, the okay to- max so i you know it, it just occurred to me i'm being kind of flippant about this but i realize that every american listener is probably like yeah a kid with some health problems that's going to be expensive going to knock the value down and then probably everyone listening in a country with free health care is like crystal's an asshole <laughs> so i want to be really clear okay god i want to be really clear that um you know like this is not assessing her value because she has some health issues her value of her person what i'm saying is as an american when you look at having a child with ongoing health issues that is a really expensive proposition therefore the value of this child who was quote unquote sold definitely wasn't um would would be lessened a bit not because lauren the child is inherently worth less but mm-hmm. because of the absolute awful state of healthcare for profit that we op- we operate on in the United <laughs> States. So just to be really clear about that, like I feel like every American listener intuits that immediately. Yeah. But maybe if you're like listening in Australia or England or something, you're like, Oh my God, Crystal's a monster. It's not, that's not it's what the pr- commentary is here. It's probably good that you put that disclaimer in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just realized as I was saying, I'm like, Oh yeah, that makes sense to you and I, Mm-hmm. You know, oh, inherently totally. taking on taking on a a child with 
health issues in the United States is a very expensive proposition, whereas somewhere yeah. else, you know, <laughs> right. maybe it's yeah. not an issue, so, as much of an issue. It's a bad investment in this country. <laughs> it is a bad investment. So that's that's why I absolutely do not believe this eyewitness story. Right, right. I, well, yeah. I believe the eyewitness saw something. I don't think she saw what she thought she saw. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's questionable if, if she, like, she definitely didn't see a transaction happening where Christina was selling off her kid. Uh, right. Now, and, I mean, it's, it's potentially even question, questionable whether she saw Christina at all because they, they discussed the distance involved. And, right. Christina's yeah. like, hey, my face was in the newspaper a lot. So she right. she could have identified right. me. Absolutely. And, and not yeah. to mention that it's not like she was a Christina was identified in a lineup, but was instead they took the woman to like across the street from Christina's apartment and someone mm -hmm. like had Christina come out and was talking to her. Right. And, and the woman's like, oh, yeah, that's her. It was like. Right. <laughs> it's like well yeah yeah that's her i mean you don't even need to be able to see you can just use you know reason logic to to be like yeah they took me to, to her to her apartment so mm -hmm. um yeah so yeah anyway discarding that woman's story um we basically yeah we uh just got a situation where um you know uh this kid kid's missing uh mickey believes that christina had something to do with it i can't recall was um uh was were there any other suspects um well anyone and everyone was a suspect well yeah yeah but did, yeah, yeah. Said. <laughs> and, hey, anyone anyone who could yeah could so been. i'm like was i a suspect were you a suspect yeah i feel like anyone and everyone includes you and i at least right right so yeah i mean that's so. a lot of people to like whittle down mm -hmm. the list yeah you know? and that's uh i guess, and i guess it was uh it was too much for the investigators because um the segment does not end with an update uh except in that we get a sort of age progression image generated mm -hmm. of what lauren may look like at the time of the airing of the segment mm -hmm. well going from bad to <laughs> absolutely worse yeah um hey if you are not someone who wants to listen to uh a thing about uh how should i put this a terrible thing happening to a child beyond kidnapping if you that's not your jam um because I know that I don't really want to talk about it, but I'm going to, you can just stop the episode now. So for if mm -hmm. that's just, it doesn't get better from here after yeah. the Lauren Jackson case. So I'll just, I'll put that up top. Um, and we're going to, we're going to talk about uh, a case in that happened on December 23rd, 1981. So that was almost exactly, let's see, 41 years ago from today, almost exactly. Um, in Dallas, Texas. Uh, one of the things um, I thought was especially compelling about this segment, short as it was, um, was Officer Roy Baird. 
And um, he, you know, he's, you know, it's a couple days before Christmas. The uh, sheriffs, the Dallas uh, County Sheriff's Department's having their little holiday get together, the reenactment, and they got. And I I don't, and I don't want to sidetrack us too much, but it seems like they didn't really spend too much money on the (laughs) recreation of this lunch because all we see is the bird on the table. Yeah, that's true, but I mean, also like that felt very real to a sheriff's department. Oh, okay. Yeah. In the eighties. Do you know what I mean? For their holiday party? Like I don't yeah, imagine. I they're, they're... Okay. Yeah, no, that's, know, that's a fair you know? point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't imagine that they're really going all out. So yeah, I don't okay. know. Um, so officer Baird, uh, instead of cutting into the bird, like he promised, uh, goes out on his patrol. Um, about 10 miles outside of Texas, he encounters, um, an abandoned vehicle, which had, um, some clothing that had been this women's clothing that had been discarded. The, uh, vehicle had a door open. Um, he touched the hood of the car, saw that and felt that it was still warm. So the car had been recently stopped and what officer Baird uh, prepared himself to encounter was possibly like, you know, a sexual assault situation of a woman, yeah. Um, so he goes out into this field. Um, what he finds is uh, Roxanne Jeeves and her five year old son, Christopher, and um, both of them had been very recently killed. Um, so there's a lot of speculation. There's a few eyewitnesses that see Roxanne and her son leaving their apartment complex, uh, with somebody who, uh, you know, the way. <laughs> that unsolved mysteries mm-hmm, dances yeah. around saying that the suspect is black is very creative it is i don't i noted this that too segment um because in all in all the reenactment it's it's a black man that looks like he's abducting roxanne and, and christopher uh from their home yeah. um but uh you know there's very there's a neighbor that says well it just looked like the people that took roxanne and christopher didn't really belong in the complex <laughs> i noted that yeah oh boy <laughs> um so there's there's that uh there's further a gas station attendant that f- ends up uh filling up gas in roxanne's car um, noting how uncomfortable and in trouble Roxanne seemed and also says something to the effect of the man she was with uh, looked like really shifty and out of place. Um, yeah. So I start cooking in my head. I'm like, well, it's the 80s. It's Texas. Uh, Roxanne had been recently divorced. She had started seeing someone else she was intending to marry. I was thinking about last week's episode. I was like, oh, the ex-husband did this. No question. And all this stuff with this African-American dude kidnapping her, this is all a red herring. And this is just people in Texas being racist as fuck. It's kind of where my mind was going. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we get further into the segment and we learned that, yes, there was an African-American male seen fleeing the scene, ostensibly. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, further, he was seen five miles down the road at a convenience station being very rushed to talk on the fo- he wanted to use the gas station's phone and the clerk another witness uh puts him outside and says you can go use the payphone you can't use our phone and he seems very perturbed 
and the guy's like, well, I, can I get, can I get, can you break a dollar so I can get the, the, the quarters? To, yeah. And she's like, well, you gotta buy something first. And he, he's like, so he goes and grabs a can of cola and, and she's like, okay, it's, uh, it's going to be 80 cents. And he's like, what? That doesn't give me enough to, I'm sorry. That's, that's falling down. The movie falling down. Never mind. <laughs> I was like, I don't remember her saying he had to buy anything. Yeah. Sorry. She sorry. just told him to go outside and use the phone. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, going back to the car, they, uh, and there was yet another eyewitness that after this man makes the phone call, he runs down the hill to where the freeway is mm-hmm. and is picked up by a very distinctive 1950s uh, Buick um, driven by another African-American man. Um, back at the scene of the crime, they find a sort of like satchel that has a bunch of stuff in it. There's a, uh, very notably, there's a knit cap, which they bag just in case there's hair samples or something on it. Yeah. Um, a set of burglary, burglary tools. (laughs) I don't know what that is. I'm not a burglar. I don't burgle. They did not explain. So sorry, everybody. Yeah. And there's also what I thought when they held it up was an empty bottle of vanilla extract, but no, it was a empty bottle of formaldehyde. Um, police in the segment speculate that uh, the formaldehyde was used to dip marijuana cigarettes into, which kind of leads them to believe that this guy who kidnapped and murdered Roxanne and Christopher had been an old associate of her brother who had been dealing weed before he left for the military. Yeah. And that's where they thought the connection was. Um, so, you know, there's a ton of eyewitnesses. Uh, there's, they have the hair samples from the knit cap. Um, and, uh, now they had a, a reenactment. Yeah. Cause like, uh, I guess, uh, apparently, sometime before this incident after her brother left someone had come to the apartment and Mm -hmm. uh was looking for him and i don't know if um uh unsolved mysteries just went with the editorial choice of like oh well it was that same guy uh but they uh you know like she there's like a knock at at her door at night and she goes to the door and makes the horrible decision of like opening the door. Just, yeah. I mean, she's trying to like keep it just mm-hmm. a little ajar, but man, like as soon as like, there's just any sort of space gap space, this mm-hmm. guy just like, it's almost like a cat. He just like slid right through it and into the apartment. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he was like, yeah, you know, blah, blah, blah. you brother owes me money and then, or something along those lines. So there is an update. This is the only segment in this episode that had an update. Yeah. And, uh, George Washington Hicks, who was already serving time for an unrelated, uh, sexual assault and robbery, uh, DNA from Roxanne's rape kit. And also the hairs remember from the net cap, that they recovered from the scene uh, matched him. Um, so the white text update we get basically is like he's convicted for both the uh, murder 
of uh, Christopher and Roxanne. And he is currently, he's currently cannot be re-imprisoned, I guess, until 2024, until he's done serving his already extraordinarily long sentence for what he was in prison for originally. Um, the wiki elaborates in that basically he was first convicted uh, for Christopher's murder, I believe. Mm. No, he was first convicted of Roxanne's murder in 2007, then sentenced to life in prison. And then he was put on trial again for Christopher's murder in 2014, and he will never be paroled from prison, and he was given another life sentence. So he's never going to see the light of day again. Okay. Well, so at least, sort at of least he's satisfying. Yeah. Ending? I mean, uh, I uh, mean, yeah. Um, Robbie, if someone wants to demand satisfaction from us, how would they do that? <laughs> um, well, if you, uh, if you slowly walk your way towards, uh, our Twitter reenacted pod, uh, you can send us, which e- I predict will not exist through <laughs> next year. Okay. If we remember uh, the beginning of the episode. Then uh, reenactedpod at gmail.com if you want to shoot us an email. Um, uh, you know, there's uh, there's various Facebook little group things. Uh, if you if you do your searching, you'll find us. Um, then, you know, uh, make your way to Patreon, where at the $1 tier, you can help support the podcast. And at the $5 tier... Um, you'll get, uh, uh, access to some rewards. I, I, I don't know. I, I need to check there. Cause last time we kind of implored one of our $5 patrons, to, 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 to respond to our, our, our requests for, <laughs> for address. Yeah. So, cause you got some stuff. coming. I haven't looked either. I've been busy. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take a look. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but anyway, that's patreon.com slash reenactedpod if you want to send us a tip or get um, exclusive content, which I should probably put some up one of these days, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you probably um, should. You can uh, rate us on iTunes. Uh, five stars only or don't bother <laughs> is our request. That's our and model. Five, five stars yeah. only or don't bother. <laughs> or don't bother uh five star- but if you got something nasty to say go ahead and put that in the body of the review but just give it give us five stars or don't bother yeah please um <laughs> and um i think that's it right robbie do you want to do the thing for every mystery there is someone somewhere who knows the truth perhaps that someone's watching perhaps it's you 